Amen. Lord, we can't wait. And we thank you and praise you that we have the promise of heaven. And Lord, it's eternal life that doesn't begin when we die, but we have it right now. And Lord, just give us that joy and that peace to recognize, Lord, that as your children, we can walk and, and know you in an intimate and a personal way right now. Lord, we ask as we go to your word that your Holy Spirit would speak in a mighty and a powerful way. Thank you and praise you. You're a God of love and grace and mercy. We don't deserve it, but we're so thankful for it. Bless this time in your word. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Go ahead and have a seat. You're going to be loving those blue chairs again next week, aren't you? I'm loving the retro Calvary. This is taking me back about five years when it used to look like this around here. But, uh, hey, just be praying. Be, uh, you know, one of the things we're going to be doing in the coming weeks, we're going to be sending out direct mail pieces to much of the county. We're going to send out a mail to anybody who's ever attended this church. Um, we are going to be putting ads in the paper. And uh, our heart is to reach all of Santa Cruz County. And you know what? We just believe that God's going to do great and awesome things now that we have a facility that will better accommodate that. You know, where God guides, God provides. Amen? So be praying. Uh, one of the things you can be praying about, Pastor Bill Holdridge and I were down at the Senior Pastors Conference on our flight back. Uh, I've had a burden and a heart to do a full-blown Bible college in Santa Cruz. We're going to at least take one step toward that, more than likely this fall. We're going to offer four classes. You take two, uh, two different nights a week, more than likely. It's not a done deal yet, but we're working on it. And in two years, you could have a full-blown Bible college degree. So we're going to start doing that. My heart would be maybe within the following semester, we can even do it during the daytime. I have a heart to start a, uh, a school of ministry for men. We'd have to rent a couple houses to do that, but we know that God can provide for that as well. And you know what? Just having the capabilities to have a place 24 hours a day, seven days a week, God's going to open up a lot more opportunities for us to reach this county. Amen? Amen. So be praying. Let's see what God does. Amen. All right. Turn your Bibles to Second John. We're going to look at the second half. We looked at the first half last week. Last week, we talked about the... the thrust of this chapter is standing for truth and truth and love. And last week, we saw the practice of truth. Now, the practice of truth is that it, the way we practice it is we walk in obedience to God's word. We walk in truth, but we walk in love. We talked about, you know, if you were here last week, I must have said it 20 times, it's truth in love. Those two things must go together. And again, we saw that in the text. Well, this morning, we're going to go from practicing the truth to protecting the truth. We're going to see a shift in gears as John moves from the practice of, of the truth yourselves, but then protecting the truth from the lie. So if you're a note taker this morning, we've got three main points and three sub points. The main points are protecting the truth, first of all, against the deception of false teachers. Uh, just as there were false teachers then, there are false teachers still today. Number two, by remaining faithful to the doctrine of Christ. We'll talk about that word doctrine, what it really means. And as we do that, we should not fall behind, go ahead, or help those who preach false doctrine. Those are three subpoints. As we are abiding in His doctrine, we should not be behind the Lord, in front of the Lord, but walking with the Lord. Amen? Right on time with Him. And again, we'll talk about not helping those who preach false doctrine, something that we may even do today without really thinking about it. And then finally, by openly communicating with those that we love. That's how we protect the truth. So standing for truth, protecting the truth, beginning there in verse 7. First, we're going to look at protecting the truth 
against the deception of false teachers. Look at verse 7. For many deceivers have gone out into the world. The word for there is tying it back to the previous part of the chapter where he's talking about truth and love, about walking in the truth and walking in love. And then he's telling them why they need to walk in the truth. Here's why you need to stand for the truth. Because many people, many deceivers, have gone out into the world. There are many false teachers out there who are preaching a lie. So John goes from encouraging them to speak the truth in love to now to standing up and opposing error. And as we're going to see, it's not unloving to confront and reveal the lies and deception of false teaching. Too often we think, and we hear this and we watch this, that being loving means you never confront anything. But the truth is, if you love people and they're, they're in harm's way, it's the most unloving thing in the world to sit back and say nothing or act like nothing's wrong. Amen? And so we see here that John writes this letter and he sees deception all around him. And as he does, he's encouraging and exhorting. Remember, he wrote this letter to an elect lady. And we talked about last week, we're not sure if that is a specific woman or if that's a reference to a local church in either case it doesn't really matter but he's exhorting the believers a small group of believers that yes you're to stand for truth but one of the reasons you need to is there are people all around you telling a lie guys we live in a time when people are lying like no other amen everything you you turn things on to walk go to the internet someone once said that the internet is like the bathroom wall of america you know, you can write anything you want on there. Isn't that true? And then somehow people think that it has credence because it's on the internet. That just means somebody typed it in and hit send, right? Big deal. But sadly, people give credence to lies all day long. And that's not just true in the world, but it's true in the church. And we're living in a time right now where people are watering down the truth and watering down the gospel and hiding from it. And so that same exhortation given 2,000 years ago applies to us today that we need to not only practice the truth, but we need to protect it because there are people all around us telling lies. Truth and love go hand in hand, and a true heart of love will expose the lies of those who are attempting to lead others away from it. Again, as Christians, especially those who are called to serve as leaders in the church, we are called by God to not only believe the truth and walk in it, but also to protect it and defend it against the attacks of the enemy. Satan's tactics have not changed in 6,000 years. He keeps playing the same old tune, and the reason he does is we keep falling for it. And I'm not talking about maybe me and you individually, I'm talking about us as the human race. One of his biggest tactics is this, did God really say? Does the Word of God really say? Oh, the Word of God doesn't say that. Well, that's nowhere in the Bible. I've had people tell me that's nowhere in the Bible who've never read the Bible. Now, often. And I say, dude, it's in the... Oh, it's not in there. Well, let me show it to you. Oh, I don't want to see it. That would then make me, you know... Then I could no longer continue in my ignorant bliss. But here's the reality. The Word of God is true. Amen? And we need, to be knowing, we need to know what the word is so we can stand up for the truth in a time when it so desperately needs to be shared with the lost and dying world. So back in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3, he approaches Eve and he says, did God really say? Did he really say you couldn't eat of that tree? Well, you know what? He knows if you eat of that tree, you'll be just like him. 
There are many cults today that challenge the Word of God and then will follow it up by telling you that if you follow their path, you too will be God one day. Let me make it real clear. You will never be God. Amen? There are two things for sure. Absolutely for sure. There is a God and you're not Him. Amen? Nor will you ever be. And I'm really glad. Amen? I'm glad I'm not... Man, what a mess that would be if a, a planet run by one of us is God. What a disaster. But here's the truth. He wants to question and bring doubt and confusion concerning the truth and the accuracy of God's Word. In some cases, he rejects the truth of God's Word completely. He'll send someone out, a false teacher, and he'll go out and just bring something up new. And you know what? I believe this. Sometimes these guys will say, who start cults, they'll say, oh, an angel visited me. And sometimes they're probably just making it up. I have an idea that sometime an angel did visit them, but it was not an angel of light. Amen? And somebody may have shown up and told them these things. Because most often what the enemy does, he doesn't just bring out a direct contradiction, something that's just a flat-out 100% lie that no one would believe. What he'll do instead is bring something that is mostly true, but is false enough to be a lie. Guys, you've heard me say it before, a half-truth is a whole lie. Amen? And the enemy will do things like, you know, you'll look at some of the religious organizations in the world today, you'll look at different, you know, cults, and they look really good from the outside. They, they even use the same words and the same terms, and they sound like Christians, and the sad part is, it's a lie. And it's so desperate, breaks our hearts, and it should, that so many people are headed to hell without Jesus Christ thinking they believe the truth of the Bible because somebody lied to them. Who's going to speak the truth? It's got to be us. Amen? The baton's been handed off to us. It's our turn. We're here for such a time as this. So Satan's lies usually contain enough truth to be believable and seem legitimate, at least to those who are not grounded in the Word and don't understand or are able to discern the truth. Why do we spend so much time in the Word? Because the only way you're going to recognize the lie is to know the truth. The only way that you can grow spiritually is to spend time in the presence of God, and faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? The Word of God. So if your faith's going to grow, you've got to spend time in His presence. And you know what's awesome? Is if we just spend day after day, week after week, just going through the whole counsel of God, not skipping over a verse, we're going to hear God's heart on every matter of life. And we can walk out, and we can live life in front of a lost and dying world, and we're going to recognize the counterfeit when we see it, because we know the legitimate. So the enemy, he's a liar. And so he sends out liars. So... He told them about truth, he told them about love, but many deceivers have gone out. The word there for deceiver in the original language means one who wanders, roves, misleads, and leads others into error. The word can also mean imposter, corrupter, of course, deceiver. Now, these deceivers do more than teach false doctrine. They lead people away from the truth into not only wrong thinking, but wrong living. You know what? The way we think is reflected in how we live. If we really believe in Almighty God, it ought to impact the way we live every single day. Amen? For some of us, you know what? We really need to examine our hearts. Because we come on Sunday and we claim to know God, and then we leave this building and we act like the world the rest of the week. Lord forbid that that be our, the truth about our lives. Amen? 
If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The deceiver is out there, and he's sending out those who deceive the truth, those who lie about the truth, those who are leading people astray. And God has called us to be those who would stand for truth in a world filled with deception. What we believe will be seen in the way that we live. Now, the context, remember, if you take a text out of context, all you got left is a con, right? So we got to understand the context. The context is that he's writing in a time when what was prevalent were the Gnostics. Remember the Gnostics, a couple of their main beliefs were that Jesus was not God in the flesh, and they taught two different things, depending on which of the Gnostics you listen to. Some of them taught that the Christ's spirit came upon him at his baptism and left him at the cross. Others taught that he was just a phantom. He did not come in human flesh, and that's why they would say that flesh is evil, and it doesn't matter what you do with your flesh. And this is a great deception that many of the early Christians would hear this and be tempted to follow it. Well, so you're telling me I can believe in God and go to heaven and live like the world and it's no big deal because the flesh is evil anyway. These are the things that were being taught. And they were teaching lies about Jesus Christ. And guys, as we move on through the text, we're going to see that that is always the acid test. When you talk to somebody, you can talk to them about what they believe about the millennial kingdom or what they believe about this verse or what they believe about your diet or what they believe about morality or what they believe. And again, I'm not saying those aren't good, valid topics of discussion, but here's the point. If you want to find out where they stand, ask them where they stand with Jesus Christ. Guys, that's the acid test. Amen? I used to have these debates on my porch and talk about everything under the sun, and be able to you know, do this thing through the Bible back and forth. And I realized ultimately, and again, not totally unprofitable, but the real prophet is going to come by bringing them to Jesus. The guys, there's no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. The deceivers were out there preaching a false Jesus. They had gone out, and they were talking about a Jesus who did, was not God in the flesh. Talking about a Jesus who did not take on humanity. Talking about a Jesus that only had the Christ spirit, but was not the Christ. He is the Christ. Amen? He is the way, the truth, and the life. And the deceivers would come and try to draw people away. One of the things you'll see the deceivers do, they take away from Scripture, and they also love to add to it. Everywhere the true gospel goes, Satan's emissaries are sure to follow. In Paul's ministry, there was a group called the Judaizers. You remember them? The Judaizers were the ones who would go to new Christians or those who were contemplating becoming Christians and tell them, hey, before you can become a Christian, you've got to become a Jew. And that means you've got to keep all the feasts and all the rites and you need to be circumcised. And if you don't, you can't become a Christian. That's adding to the gospel. Amen? That's deceptive. That is a false teacher. Is there, is, is there any harm in keeping the, the law? No. Were, was there harm? No. Were the Jews saved? Yes, many of them were. That's where the first century church came from largely. But you know what? A vast majority of the Jewish people rejected Jesus Christ. And guys, you don't have to become anything to become a Christian. You just need to become a Christian. Amen? Guys, there's no other step to getting to Christ. You come directly to Him. You approach the Father through the shed blood of the Son. Deceivers would want to put up roadblocks between you and God the Father. 
and say they have the only key, they have the only answer. Paul dealt with the Judaizers, John's dealing with the Gnostics, you and I today are dealing with a myriad of false teachers teaching all kinds of lies about who our Savior is. And guys and gals, it's our calling to be the ones who stand up for the truth in the midst of a generation that largely preaches a lie. Guys, as I was studying this the last several days, this whole week, God kept putting on my heart and kind of lighting a fire in me that, you know what, it's for such a time as this that we're in Santa Cruz County. And if there's ever been a county that needed the truth, it's here. Amen? And you're not here by chance. And don't leave it up just to the pastors to be the one to share the truth. You're, you're going to meet people I'm never going to meet. The other pastors are never going to meet. You're going to have divine appointments every week. You know what? We're equipping you to do the work of the ministry. That's my calling. My calling isn't to do all the ministry. My calling is to equip you so you can do the ministry. Lord, I pray as we move to a new place that we have a whole, you know, a refreshed and revived attitude about reaching out to the lost. Amen? Let's not hide our light under a bushel. There's plenty of deceivers out there, and sadly, many people are falling for the lie. So you have people like the Judaizers, the Gnostics, liars, deceivers who had wandered from the truth and were enticing others to follow them. Anytime you add to the cross, you make Jesus a liar. He said it is finished on the cross, amen? Is that true or not? Absolutely. Let's not add to it. So these wolves in sheep's clothing had infiltrated the church in every generation since. Paul called them savage wolves false apostles, deceitful workers disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. Jesus predicted that in the end times, false Christ and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. So some may say, calling them deceivers, wanderers, tramps, imposters, you know what, that's not very loving to talk about them that way. How dare you call someone a deceiver? Well, guess what? We can love them and we can pray for them, but we need to point out the lie when it's being told. Amen? Not self-righteously, not arrogantly, but in love. But you know what? It's unloving to let someone follow a lie. You know, it's interesting. I probably catch more heat as a pastor for speaking out the truth and pointing out the error than almost anything else. People will say, well, that's just not fair. Well, what about those people? Hey, guys, my, my calling to you is to make sure that you know the truth. And sometimes people say, well, what if I brought a friend who's of that faith or of that persuasion? You might have offended them. That's not my heart. If I offend you, forgive me if I offended you. But if the word of God offends us, we need to be offended. Amen? Amen? Why? Because, guys, we're talking about eternity. Amen? It's not, we're not talking about trying to win a social club, you know, and be the most popular person in town and see how many people we can get to come. That's not, the, that's not what it's about. It's about seeing people who are lost and going to hell, coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, being born again, and being heaven bound. That's what it's about, amen? And guess what? Jesus' message was not popular when he taught it. And neither was John the Baptist, or the Apostle Paul, or Peter. You know what? Eleven of the twelve apostles were martyred. Well, ten, eleven, Judas hung himself. But here's the point. 
The point is that we need to do it in love, but there needs to be a, just a, a, a greater emphasis on boldly proclaiming the truth and not being ashamed of it and not apologizing for it. Eternity hangs in the balance. These lies will lead people into hell, and a milquetoast, tolerant, non-confrontal approach to false doctrine and false teachers isn't love, it's cowardice. That's exactly what it is. Aren't you glad somebody told you? Aren't you glad somebody went through that moment? It's kind of tough. Be honest. Who here has a hard time witnessing to people? My hand's up. Don't you get afraid? Don't you get fearful? They might ask me a question I won't know the answer to. I'm going to look like an idiot. God, I'm not ready. I haven't done it. I haven't prayed enough. I, haven't, you know, I blew it this week. Who am I? I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I can't tell. You know, right? We get this attitude. And we get anxious and worried. And I can't get that. Right? Guys, we have the truth. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the hope that lies within us that the whole world needs to hear. We live in a world right now that is desperate for the truth. And they think they elected the Messiah. They need to get to know the real one. Amen? Oh, Pastor Dave got political. Sorry about that. Here's the point. Here's, here's the point, guys. And we need to pray for our president. Amen? But guys, it's time for us to speak the truth with boldness and do it in love. And we need to be the ones who protect it. If we're expecting our government to protect the truth, it's not going to happen. Amen? Amen? We're expecting someone else to do it, someone down the road to do it, someone down the street to do it. I'm going to pray. And can I encourage you? I've been convicted this way the last couple weeks. You know, often I will, when I'm at stoplights, I pray for the person in the car next to me. I pray for different people on the street. And, I, and I'm going to continue to do that. But you know what? There's a time to pray and there's a time to get out of your car and go talk to them. Amen? Instead of always praying that God will send someone else, let's be the someone else. Amen? Let's be the one that God would use followers of the true christ must not remain silent concerning the antichrist those who are committed to biblical truth cannot have fellowship with those who pervert it look what it says for many deceivers have gone out into the world where do these deceivers come from in this case they came from within the church there were those who were in the church for a time and then they left the church and went their own way and now have added to the gospel or taken away from it and now they're the ones who have the real answer well god showed up to us we have special knowledge you got the special key to real understanding comes from us you need to be very careful anybody who says they have the key run from them unless they're holding up their bible amen we have the key we have the holy spirit and he's the one who guides us into all truth at one time they proposed to believe, but in Jude 3 it says, the faith which was once delivered to the saints, but they turned from the faith and abandoned the truth of the gospel. First John chapter 2 says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. Acts 20 says, also of your own selves, men shall arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after themselves. Those are all verses that say people who look like they were a part of the church, leave the church and try to draw people away from the truth unto themselves. Nothing new under the sun. How do we recognize the lie? How can we make sure we don't fall for that trap? 
How can we make sure that somebody maybe we go to church with who then gets off a track and is trying to draw us away, how can we make sure we don't fall into that? Guys, it takes constant spiritual vigilance to protect a family or a local church from the ongoing attacks of false teachers. But we must remain vigilant as eternity hangs in the balance. What do we know about these false teachers, at least these specifically these Gnostics? Here's what it says. For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus as coming in the flesh. Again, as I said before, this is Gnostic doctrine right here. Jesus was a phantom. He never really came in the flesh. So that gives you an excuse to live any way you want. Again, it's really convenient how when you look at most cults, that they make God less and man more. Have you ever noticed that? God's always less and man's always more. That's a commonality with the cults. If you look at Mormon doctrine, God of our planet used to be a man just as we were, and he was a good enough man that he got to become God of our planet. And if I'm a good man, I can be God of my own planet. That's making God less and me more. Amen? New Age movement, Buddhism, go down the list. All of it is you trying to attain Godhood. All of it is you trying to reach that next level through your own efforts. You don't need God, you can do it yourself. Well, how's that working out for you? Amen? Not so much. We can't do it without Him. We need to remain desperate for Him. They do not confess confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. They're saying He wasn't fully God and fully man. So they're teaching false doctrine. Well, the generation since, false doctrine is not always exactly the same, but the deceivers, as I said before, can always be identified by one commonality, what they say about Jesus. When they start making Jesus less, you can debate every other issue. There's other issues that are secondary issues that we should not divide on, but this one we must die on. Amen? Jesus Christ Him crucified and risen from the dead. He is fully God. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the creator of all things. There's no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. He died. He rose. He ascended. He's preparing a place for us. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And He's coming back. And nobody else can do it but Him because only He is God. And we cannot in any way ever water that down or tolerate any attack against the person of Jesus Christ. Amen? Here's, that, here's his heart. John's writing, look, they're lying about Jesus. They're saying that he wasn't fully man. They're saying that he's not fully God. They're saying he only received the Christ spirit for a time, and he's not the Christ. You can hear the heart of a pastor as he cries out to them. Anything less than Jesus is both God, the Son, and the Son of God is a lie. Guys, it's a truth we must never apologize for. Some of you were here some months back. I caught some static for this, but I did it anyway. I prayed about it. Talked to some of the pastors about it, and I did it. I showed a couple videos. You guys remember that? And there was a well-known TV preacher and a bishop. And both of them were asked this simple question on Larry King. Is Jesus the only way to heaven? That's pretty straightforward. What's the answer? Yes. Yes. That's not that hard, was it? But here's the answer we got from both of them. Well, no, no, I wouldn't. uh, One guy said, well, he's the answer for me. What a cop-out. 
He is the answer for all of mankind, amen? And the other one said, well, no, I mean, you know, there's other paths, there's other ways. I would never say that about, you know, we've got a lot we can learn from the Muslims. There's a lot we can learn. That's ridiculous. You know what they are? Deceivers. They're preaching a false doctrine. Why, you know what, and we stand up to point it out, not to say we're better than them or smarter than them, but because so many people are following that lie. Who's standing for the truth? It's got to be us. Amen? The real church. And praise God, there's millions of Christians in this country. But I pray that we would all get a little more bold to speak the truth, but always do it in love. What does the Bible say about those who misrepresent Jesus? Here's what it says. Read the rest of the verse. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. What? Somebody who doesn't properly represent who Jesus Christ is is not kind of mistaken. It's not, oh, well, they're off a little bit. Oh, well, maybe they'll come around. No, it says they're deceivers and of antichrist. Whoa. That's the Bible. Amen? This isn't Pastor Dave's opinion. This is the Bible. Antichrist can mean one of two things. They can either be against him or bringing a substitute for him. So they're either preaching against the true and living God or they're proposing a substitute. We've talked about this before. Just because someone says Jesus doesn't mean they mean the Jesus of the Bible. We've talked about Jesus of the Jehovah's Witnesses is Michael the Archangel. Jesus of the Mormon Church is the brother of Lucifer and a created being. Jesus of the New Age Movement is an elevated guru. Jesus of Buddhism and is an enlightened man. You go down the list, that's not the Jesus of the Bible. Amen? The Bible says he elevates his word above all his name. Why? Because his word defines who he is. That's why we need to study it. We need to call on the name of the Jesus of the Bible. So someone who preaches a false Jesus is not just mistaken, they're deceivers. And while the spirit of Antichrist will one day be made manifest in the Antichrist who will lead a worldwide rebellion against Almighty God. And by the way, I've read the end of the book, he loses. Amen? We're going to be in Revelation in a few weeks. And guess what? We win. Praise God, amen? You can even read ahead. Teacher's edition, you can see right in the back. We win. So Antichrist... He's saying of these people who are out there speaking this, they're against him or they're preaching one instead of him. A substitute Christ. The Gnostics and the Judaizers are the false teachers of today to deny in any way. Can you deny the, de- the deity of Christ and be saved? Now, some of you might debate with me afterward, and we can talk about that. My answer is no. Because if he's not God, he couldn't die, he couldn't pay the price, he couldn't have risen from the dead, he's not, no, Amen. He has to be God. Can you deny the humanity of Christ? What's the answer? Can you deny his redemptive work on the cross of Calvary? How about his virgin birth? Can we deny the virgin birth? Is that, a, is that an essential? What's the answer? Absolutely. Why? Because we were born sinners. But he was not. Why? Because he was born of God the Father. That's why. But if he's born of a man, he's a sinner and he can't save us. Guys, these are all points under attack today. And I hear Christian quotes, Christian pastors on television saying, well, the virgin birth's not that big a deal. Well, the resurrection, ah, well, not so much. It doesn't really matter. Are you kidding me? Paul said, if he's not risen, we are of all people the most pitiable. 
Amen? I've been in the tomb. Guess what? He's not there. He's risen. You've heard me say this before. Buddha, dead. Amen? Muhammad, dead. Joseph Smith, dead. Mary, Mary Baker Eddy. Charles Taze Russell. These are all founders of great cults and, and, and religions. And guess what? They're all dead. Jesus Christ, risen and living Savior, who triumphed over sin and death. Guys, we have the hope. We have the answer. Let's not be ashamed of Him. Amen? They're deceivers. Can anybody else save us? What's the answer? Is anybody else God? There's one God in three persons. Amen? Anybody else the Messiah? Anything else is the doctrine. If they deny even one of those things, it's a doctrine of Antichrist. It's a doctrine of the devil. The word of God is clear. And you know what? We need some voices crying out in the wilderness today. Amen? We need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's prompting. Because I believe that we're getting close to the return of our Savior. Now, no man knows the day or the hour. I would never predict a date. That would make me a false prophet, and y'all should get up and leave. I would never do that. But I will say this. We're closer than we've ever been. Amen? And we can't know the day or the hour, but we can know the season, the Bible says, and I feel like we're in rapture season. So if that's true, shouldn't there be an urgency in our hearts? John's writing, this is a deceiver and an antichrist. So protect the truth. First, against the deception of false teachers. Number two, by remaining faithful to the doctrine of Christ. First of all, don't fall behind. Look at verse 8. Look to yourselves. That we do not lose those things we worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. Look to yourselves. He says to them, beware, take heed, watch out. Those are all you know, synonyms for what he's asking them. And he's saying, look, don't look at someone else, look to yourself. Look at yourself and say, okay, Lord, this is the truth. How do I respond? Deceivers all around, spirit of antichrist all around, false teachers all around. I know the truth. How do I respond? And he says, take heed to yourself. We as a church corporately, but also as individuals, must be on guard against the many deceivers and antichrists who would attempt to lead us away from the truth. You know, sadly, over the years, I've known many who outwardly walked with God for a time, at least appeared to, but were seduced by false teaching and have walked away from the truth. As the church body, the way we guard against being caught away by the lie is to study the truth just to know it to know it to know it to know it the word of god is repetitive for a reason because we're thick amen because we need to hear it again and again and again i know i do and i praise god that he keeps repeating it because he knows i'm slow and he wants to tell me again to make sure i get it to make sure that i understand john is telling the select lady, be it a specific woman or a church, watch yourself, be on guard, look out. Why? Because there are wolves on the prowl. There's a roaring lion seeking whom we may devour. False teachers and deceivers. And how do we, again, recognize them? We know the truth. As born-again believers, we must not fall for the lie, even if it comes to us disguised as love and tolerance. Let me say that again. We must not fall for the lie, even if it comes disguised as love and tolerance. Do we hear that word used a lot today? You should be more tolerant. 
we should not tolerate sin as being okay. Not in our own lives, let's start there. Lest we point at someone else and start in my own life. Let's get in the mirror and not be tolerant about the sin in my own life. But then we shouldn't be tolerant of sin just so that we can be more acceptable to the world. Then he says that we do not lose the things which we have worked for. Do not lose the things that we've accomplished. When you heed the deception of the false teacher, it causes us to lose ground, to fall back, both personally and corporately as the body, the church body. God had done great things through this elect lady, through this church or this woman. John didn't want to see her fall back spiritually by heeding the lies of false teachers. Paul told Timothy this, He exhorted him to protect the truth that had been handed down to him. It says in 1 Timothy 6, O Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you. In 2 Timothy, he said, Retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Guard to the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure which has been entrusted to you. Do you understand? Do we recognize that we are holding God's treasure? He's entrusted it to us. Here's the truth. I'm giving it to you. Here's my Holy Spirit who will equip you to go out and take that truth and share it with others. I'm going to pour it into you. That's heavy, isn't it, when you think about it? We, as individuals, and the church as a whole, have a legacy that has been handed down to us, a heritage that must be preserved at all costs. Men and women of God throughout history have preached, taught, and defended the gospel, often at great cost of of time, effort, persecution, many even unto the point of death, and it's our turn now to defend what they gave their lives for. Amen? It's our turn. so easy to get complacent, isn't it? I'm confessing with you. It's so easy to get complacent. So easy to just start playing church and just going through life. And, you know, if we get to share faith with one or two people a year, we're feeling like we've done something. Here's the sad part. I know many Christians who've never shared their faith with anybody in their lifetime. That's a reality. You might be sitting here and that might be you. Can I encourage you? Can I encourage you? The Great Commission is to go therefore into all the world and preach the gospel. Who did he give that to? Christians. If you're a Christian, you're called. Amen? I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm not saying the enemy won't try to make you afraid. But here's the good news. It's not ability he's looking for, but availability. He's not looking for the greatest theologian in the world. He's looking for somebody who has simple childlike faith, who can say to someone else, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Amen? Here's who I was before I came to know Christ. I met Jesus, and here's who I am today. That's your testimony. Amen? We can do that. Lord, help us to not be ashamed of the gospel. He says there, but that we may receive a full reward. That we won't miss out on the things we worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. Falling back not only undoes the labor of faithful shepherds who have gone before, but our unfaithfulness will also result in the loss of heavenly rewards. Now, let me say this. Pastor Dave's opinion. I do not believe, if you have been born again, that you can lose your salvation. I don't believe that. Now, who determines whether or not you've truly been saved? That's between you and God. That's not me to judge. I don't want that job. Amen? But if you've been born again, I believe that you are saved and you will remain saved. But here's the thing. If you've been born again, you will abide. 
and you will remain. Amen? Now, with that being said, the Bible does say, even for those of us who are going to heaven, that there are heavenly rewards. And I, you know, I read that, and I have to confess to you sometimes, you know, maybe you're like me. Have you ever thought, well, as long as I get to heaven, that's good, right? Who's ever thought of that? I'm going to heaven. Hey, how bad could heaven be, even if I don't have the rewards? But, that being said, the Word of God tells us to pursue the rewards that He has for us. To run the race to win. Amen? Now, if God says we want them and we should do it, when we get to heaven, we'll be glad we did. Amen? Now, I don't know, but it could be that the crowns that are given, isn't it blow your mind that He saves us, He dies for us, He creates us. We blow it, we sin, we rebel. He, he provides the way to be restored unto Him. We simply, by grace, His grace that He pours down us and the drawing of His Holy Spirit, respond. And then we respond, and He gives us His Holy Spirit to go out and do His work. We simply operate in the power of His Holy Spirit. He does all the work, really. We're just along for the ride, and then He rewards us for doing it. What an awesome God. Amen? Wow. I don't want what I deserve, but praise God for His grace. And here we have this, that He says, you know what? You're going to lose out on the rewards. Guys, when we get to heaven, we will not be at the great white throne judgment if you've been born again. You're not going to face the fact, you know, all your sin being revealed and separated from Almighty God. But there is a Bema seat judgment where all believers will go and we will be rewarded for how faithful we were with the gifts He's given us. Lord, help us to take whatever gifts we have and use them for His glory. Amen? God told us in His Word that we should desire and pursue these heavenly rewards. Then we should do just that. May we live our lives in a way that will impact eternity. May we hold fast to the truth of God's Word. May we not fall back. Not only may we not fall back or fall behind, let's don't go ahead of Him either. Look at verse 9. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. Uh Uh-oh. The word transgresses there, the best interpretation of that word is goes ahead. Whoever goes ahead. Now, how do you, what does that mean? Goes beyond, pass, the word there literally means to go beyond or to pass over without even touching. So guys, we ought to be hanging on to the Lord with both hands, not passing by without even touching. Amen? We ought to be desperate for Him at all times. Here is the balance. While we must never fall back from or deny the truth God has clearly taught us in His Word, so too we must, never, we must be careful to never add to it. How do they go ahead of God? They take His Word and then they add to it. Let me get ahead of God. Let me add to what God has done. Let me move by Him without even touching Him. Let me transgress. How do I transgress? I move beyond what the Word of God has said. We are to be faithful to what is written without adding to it. So many cults today, instead of adhering to what is written, they have created their own additional writings. Have you ever noticed how most cults have extra books? Amen? Got extra books, extra... They have magazines they want to sell you, right? New magazine from God. Just came out Monday. Printed in Brooklyn. I don't know how that works. And they do that constantly, right? And they come and they've got a new word and a new truth and a new thing. Guys, we don't need a new truth. We need a new and greater experience in the old truth. We need to just fall in love with Him. I got enough right here. I don't know about you. Have you mastered this? 
Anybody? Come close. The, the more I study the Bible, the more I feel like I'm wading in the ocean. Amen? It's just so much deeper than I'll ever comprehend. Galatians 1.8 says this. Most of you know this verse. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than that which we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Warning for all of us who study God's word, but especially for those who teach it, don't go beyond the text. Don't try to find something no one else has ever found in the text. If no one else has ever found it, it's not there. Amen? If it's true, it's not new. And if it's new, it's not true. Amen? But too often, well, I want to make a name for myself. I want to find something. No one else has found. I want to write a book about an obscure verse and just create all this. No. Let's just get the simple sense of what the text says in its context and live by it. Amen? If you're teaching the children, don't add to the text. If you're teaching your family at home, don't add to the text. Believe me. Brings fear and trembling to my heart to know I'm going to stand before Almighty God one day and be accountable for everything I've said up here. I've repented many times. Then he says, He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both Father and Son. He who does not abide does not have Christ, does not have God. He who abides has both Father and Son. If you're not abiding in Him, you don't know God. And if you are abiding in Him, you have both Father and Son. The word abide there means to retain, remain, excuse me, continue, persist. What is the doctrine of Christ? Doctrine is a word that can be defined a few ways. It means teaching or truth or instruction. The instruction of Christ, the teaching of Christ, the truth about Christ. He says we need to continue in that. Anyone who does not remain, continue in and persist in the truth about who Jesus Christ is. Those who think they're being progressive in their new truths, they do not have God. That's what the text says. If they've got some new truth, they don't have God. If they're not abiding in Christ, they don't have God. I've had people ask me recently, well, don't the Jews have a special path to God? Can't they get there apart from Jesus Christ? Let me answer that for you. No. Amen? He's not done with the Jewish people. Praise God during the Great Tribulation, many of them are going to be saved. Amen? But there's no other path, there's no other way. Nobody else has another direction to get to Almighty God. If you do not have God, you have no true knowledge of God. That's what he's saying about them. They don't have any true knowledge. If they don't have the doctrine of Christ, they really do not know God at all. While there is a true progress in the life of a Christian, it is a progress that is based on a deeper knowledge of the biblical Christ Those with new truth and extra biblical claims don't have God for a father. But the Bible tells us that their father is whom? The devil. Whoa. That's probably not a good icebreaker when you're sharing with somebody. Hey, how's it going, man? So did you give devil a card for Father's Day? Or how'd that go for you? You I don't don't think that's going to be real effective. Amen? How's that working out for you? We don't want to do that. But we need to understand that if someone doesn't know God, that's exactly where they are. And that's where every one of us was apart from him and every one of us would be apart from his grace. Amen? Let's finish up here. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. Those who remain, continue, persist in teaching and instruction of Christ cannot be moved from it. That ought to be, that's the best way to define abide, in my mind, is you can't be removed from it. 
You might blow it, but you can't be removed from it. Amen? You might have a moment where you go contrary to it, but conviction brings you right back. If you're abiding, you're not leaving. You're remaining. You're persisting. You're hanging on with both, both hands because you know there's no other place to go. He who does abide has both the Father and the Son. Apart from the Son, we cannot have the Father. And as we abide in the Word, we have intimate fellowship with both the Father and the Son. There is no new truth that can top that. Amen. I love to ask people at my door, let me tell you about my relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm born again. I'm going to heaven. He's my best friend. I have the promise of eternal life. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for me. He's preparing a place for me right now. What do you got better than that? Help me out here. What do you got? I'm listening. There isn't anything. Amen? We don't need any more truths. We got the truth. So good. Don't fall back. Don't go ahead. Abide with Him. That's His heart. Amen? Protect the truth. Don't help those who preach false doctrine. We're going to finish this, so just relax. You're in metal chairs. You can't sleep anyway. Verse 10. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house nor greet him. Maybe you never saw that verse before. If some comes to us, someone comes to us denying the doctrine of Christ and promoting a false doctrine of Jesus, John says, give them no hospitality or financial aid or a platform for their doctrine. To do so is to share in their evil deeds. Our actions toward them, let me say this, should be kind. Amen? Should be kind, but should not cause others to think that you are acknowledging him as a brother. Here's the point. In those days, these teachers would travel around. There were no, there were not any hotels. There were some, a few inns, but most of them were, so most of these guys relied on Christians to house them. And some of these Christians receiving this letter were, were housing these false teachers. And what he's saying is, look, if you house them, everybody around is going to think you agree with them. I had a close friend, pastor friend of mine, who used to love to have Mormon missionaries spend a week at his house and, you know, do their laundry for him. And, and I used to say, bro, look, I understand you're trying to reach out and love them, but how does that work with Second John? I don't get it. Because here's the reality. What you're making the rest of your neighbors who don't know God think that you're on the same team. And you're not. Should we pray for them? Yes. Love them? Absolutely. Invite them to church? Absolutely. Give them a place to promote their doctrine or help them financially do it? Absolutely not. That's what the text says, right? We're not to do that. Matter of fact, when I talk to them, I leave them on my doorstep. Especially when my kids were little, because if they come into my house and we have a discussion, I don't even want that stuff in my house. And guys, I don't, not only do I not want it in my house, I don't want it coming into my house through my television. Amen? When we meet them, let's proclaim the truth. Never be self-righteous. Never be arrogant. Love them. Does the Lord love them? We should love them too. With that being said, in a loving and a gracious way, I've told them, in a loving and gracious way, look, bro, you and I, we, dis we agree to disagree. And I'm going to pray for you. But, I've had him ask me, can I just come into your house and talk to your family? No. No. That won't happen ever. <laughs> no. Now, let me say this, too, to balance this. What if you have Mormon family or Jehovah's Witness family or Buddhist family? What do you do? You invite them into your house through your family. You love on them, but you don't give them a platform to preach their doctrine. 
Amen? I would not let them pray over a meal. Why? Who are they praying to? Not God. Amen? So as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So in my house, we're going to pray to the true and living God. Be gracious. Don't be a jerk about it. But hey, we're in my home. We're going to pray. Let me pray. Amen? I'm just giving you some practical instruction as we look at the word of God here. Love them, stand for the truth, protect the truth. Verse 11, for he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. The word greet there means to show hospitality or to give aid. He's telling this elect lady that she was to have nothing to do with the promoting of false teacher's doctrine. It is not kind or good to help promote in any way the false Jesus of the false teachers. False doctrine is poison. Amen? So, should we help people buy poison to give to other people? No. If you did that, that would be called murder. You're not supposed to do that. And guess what? This is eternity we're talking about. And in this case, we should never do that. So how do we deal with false teachers? We're to have no communion with them. We're to give them no financial support. But we're not to persecute or mistreat them either. Amen? That's not what the Lord wants us to do. We're not to be the crusaders, right? Amen? Love them, but do not help them promote the lie. Love them, pray for them, but do not help them promote that false doctrine. Finally, protect the truth against the deception of false teachers by remaining faithful to the doctrine of Christ. Don't fall behind. Don't go ahead. Don't help those who preach false doctrine. And then finally, how do we protect the truth? By openly communicating with those that we love. Look at verse 12 and 13 as we finish. How many things, having many things to write to you, I do not wish to do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come to you and speak face to face that our joy may be full. What a heart of a pastor we see here in John. You know what he says? I just can't, I just want to come see you. I want to hang out with you. I praise God he wrote it down, this chapter, amen, this book. But you know what? That ought to be our heart too. Our heart ought to be that we long for our time together, that we look forward to spending time with each other, that our joy may be full. Shows that though this letter is very exhortive, as we've seen this morning, it's written from a heart of love. There's a joy in Christian fellowship that can't be matched anywhere else. And then he says this, the children of your elect sister greet you, amen. He's telling this to the elect lady. It says the elect sister So either this is sisters greeting each other, or I believe, probably, it's local churches. And he's saying, this local church greets you. Guys, that's the great thing, and this is a heart I have that I'm praying for fervently almost every day, is that we, the church of Santa Cruz County, would be more united. Amen? Because here's the truth. While we have the truth, we need to remember we're not the only ones who have it. Amen? We have the truth. Praise God. Do others have it? Yes. Are we on the same team? Absolutely. Guys, it's not about promoting Calvary Chapel, but promoting Jesus Christ and crucified and risen from the dead. Amen? So, standing for the truth, protect the truth against the deception of false teachers by remaining faithful to the doctrine of Christ by abiding in Him. Don't fall behind. Don't go ahead. Don't help those who preach false doctrine. And then finally, by openly communicating with those we love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that your message is always right on time. 
We thank you, Lord, as you're moving us to a new phase of ministry as a local body. But Lord, the message shouldn't change. Our behavior shouldn't change. Lord, we should just continue to be faithful what you've always called us to do. Lord, I pray for each of us in this room that you would stir up the gifts you've given us. Lord, that as that baton's been handed off to us, as we are here for such a time as this, Lord, we wouldn't be looking for 10 years down the road when we can serve you. Not waiting till our children all grow up or we get the promotion at work or we retire or whatever we're looking for, then we'll serve you. Lord, I pray that we would serve you wherever we are right now. Lord, just light a fire in our hearts. Paint eternity on our eyes. Lord, we do pray for those who unfortunately right now have bought the lies and the deception of the false teachers of this world. Lord, we pray you'd open their eyes to the truth of who you are. We thank you, Lord, that we were once lost and now we're found. We were once blind, but now we see. But Lord, I pray we not be content that we've been found, that we see, but Lord, that we would continue to be burdened for those who remain lost, those who are still blind. Lord, I pray you'd give us a supernatural compassion, a supernatural love, but Lord, not a love that is reflected in tolerance for sin, but one that instead reaches out to people with an uncompromising truth. Lord, we are so thankful that you've given us this privilege of walking with you. We thank you for your Holy Spirit who's come to live inside of us. Just stir us up afresh. Fill us afresh. We so desperately need you. Lord, we pray for this county. Bring revival here. Lord, start in our hearts first. We lay our lives at your feet. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's stand and close a worship song.